We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945. Welcome to the Pat Mayo Experience 2020 Fantasy Football Rankings, but for the spin of NFL injury news. And, you know, Dr. Pat isn't going to be talking to you. We're actually going to bring on a real doctor to tell you about the severity of these injuries and which ones concern him the most. However, if you're new to the Mayo Media Network, which is a brand new YouTube channel, remember to become a subscriber right now. You hit that subscribe button right now. Thank you very much. Also, smash the like button for the video, and in the comment section, you tell me the player's injury you are most concerned about heading in to 2020 fantasy football drafts this season, or even just week week one on DraftKings. We can do that, too. Uh, Also, if you are listening to this as the audio podcast and you're on Apple Podcasts, Five-star review, please. Or just five-star rings. Scroll to the bottom, hit five, boom. Be on your way. It takes like a, a second if you're actually listening to the audio podcast version of this. Enough of me. Draft kit's in the description if you want to check that out. We've already done some week one stuff and some draft. We're going to continue to update all of the injuries, all of the rankings, all the way up until the season actually starts. And boom, we're into week one. Joining me on the line from the Fantasy Doctors, both .com and YouTube page, ton of videos up on all of the players right now. It's Dr. Jesse Morse. What's going on, man? Hey, how are you? I'm all right. You kicking back or what? <laughs> we're 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 ramping up. We're getting ready to uh, to to take off. Assuming this season takes off. <laughs> yeah, uh, we're almost to the finish line in terms of drafts. I'm holding my draft as long as possible. I believe I'm doing my main draft the Wednesday, the day before the Ooh. season actually starts. I mean, as long as the people can get it into the system, what's the difference? I want to have as much yep. information as possible going into this but it's injuries that i find it somewhat perplexing right now because you don't have all of the information you would normally get with all the coverage you would normally get people seeing what's actually going on it's a lot of hearsay it's a lot of coach speak not a lot of concrete information so who is the one player realistically that you're looking at right now that you're like probably worse than it looks 
Um, well, I would have said Darius Geis, but that's no longer a concern. Um, Chris Carson, still don't know what's going on with him. Um, is he going to play? I don't even know if he's been cleared yet. We're kind of running out of time here. Um, that's definitely a guy that's concerning to me. We just heard about Montgomery going down yesterday. That is definitely a mild concern um, in general. Uh, and then we have some other guys that uh, are probably not going to um, – probably not going to raise the flag in terms of concern that are a little bit down the draft board. You're Tyrell Williams, you're Mike Williams, um, but they're still concerning. Uh, A lot of the the top level guys, we thankfully, as far as we know, are pretty healthy right now. So let's talk about David Montgomery. He strained his groin in bears practice. What is the optimal recovery time for something like that? Like six weeks, maybe eight weeks. And when do you think that we actually see him on the field? So there's rumblings that they're trying to get him out in two weeks. Probably not the best idea. Um, The issue with groin injuries is they're notorious to re-injure and not heal properly. And then when you get back on the field, you re-injure it, and then you miss another two, three, four weeks. Um, They're very uncomfortable, and and especially for a running back trying to cut every which way, not going to be very comfortable to do. So I, I would say four weeks is probably a good rule of thumb. If he has any setbacks, maybe closer to six. Okay, so you mentioned Mike Williams in there, too. He's dealing with the AC sprain in his shoulder. The guy is perpetually banged up. What is a realistic timeline for him to actually make an impact this season? Because it seems like he went from being like, yeah, kind of mid-round sleepery type. Maybe he's the deep downfield guy that Tyrod is going to go with this season. But now he has a bum shoulder. He's always banged up. Like, do we even see him by midseason? Um, the good news, as far as we know, is he's not having surgery. If he did have surgery, he probably would not been out for at least six, maybe closer to eight weeks, maybe even a little longer. Um, he's likely dealing with a grade two or maybe a grade three AC or shoulder sprain right here at the top of the shoulder. Um, these uh, are, are quite painful. And anytime you reach out in front or overhead, um, he's going to have pain, which is obviously not good for a wide receiver. So probably um, four weeks, you'll start to see him ramp up. And then closer to six weeks, you'll probably start to see him be more effective. Um, So it just depends on how he does and and, and whether or not the shoulder responds to just manual therapy without needing to go in. Some of these guys don't rehab well and they end up having to get surgery. Um, Daryl Henderson, and I only bring him up because, you know, if he's not going to be the backup, all of a sudden... We're looking pretty good with Cam Akers, but he has this hamstring problem. But it was, I, I came out today, and we're recording this a day before this is actually coming out, that he's expected to play in week one, expected to be available in week one at least. Doesn't that seem like a pretty quick turnaround for a hamstring injury for a running back? Yeah, so a lot of these guys suffer hamstring injuries early in preseason. We see it every year, and even some of these guys even feel you know, almost halfway through the season you can still get them. And a lot of it's because they're going maybe 85% in, 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 in training, and now they try to show off. They try to show their teammates and, their, and the coaches what they can do, pushing it 100%, and all of a sudden that hamstring's not ready, and they suffer a minor or, or moderate tear. Uh, we, we see guys like DeAndre Hopkins, who's banged up with one right now. We see uh, Henderson. There's probably about 10 guys. A.J. Green just came back with one. Um, these uh, have a tendency to linger anywhere from two, three weeks to six weeks, depending on uh, how bad it is. 
Um, and if guys come back too soon, they will re-injure it. We remember with that with Fournette a couple of years ago when he came back, uh, really banged it up, and then he was out for like another month. So I think two to three weeks is possible. He probably won't be featured much. It really depends on how hard they push it in practice before they say, yeah, you're ready to go. Well, one that really concerns me that I saw crop up today was Joe Mixon apparently missed yesterday's practice and today's practice because of migraines. And the first thing pops to my mind, I think it pops to everyone's mind when you hear migraines, is Percy Harvin. And it doesn't turn out well if that's going to be the case. And he still has this contract issue that's coming up as well. What's your take on Joe Mixon? Is this just kind of like hardball to get a new contract? Is this a real thing? Like, where's your read? That's a good question. I mean, it's, it's kind of ironic that we haven't heard about this ever. Um, I mean, he's kind of been around for a decent amount of time. And all of a sudden now we're just hearing about migraines. You can just, I guess, randomly develop migraines. But um, I think it's an interesting timing thing. Um, but nonetheless, these are people who get migraines are miserable. I mean, you want to just be in a small, dark room with no sound, nothing. You don't even want to think about getting hit, uh, you know, or running, you know, running through holes and trying to figure out what, which, uh, which lane to choose. So um, hopefully he can get this under wraps. There is some good meds they can use. Uh, the timing is a little ironic. Um, maybe his migraine will go away if he gets a contract extension. I mean, that's always on the table. Like, what do what you make of, like, I just see the 49ers keep signing, then cutting, then signing more wide receivers. So we're dealing with both Debo, who has the foot problem, and then Brandon Ayuk mm-hmm. pops up with some soft tissue injury too. What's, and then there's reports of Kyle Shanahan's basically saying like, oh, Debo could play week one. He's not playing week one, is he? So he's, the the the, the criteria for what he suffered in terms of timing are is almost perfect around week one, but they shut him down this week and said he was not practicing this week, which makes me think there's pretty much no way he's playing week one. He suffered a Jones fracture. Jones fractures are, 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 are of the fifth, but of in the foot, these notoriously um, do well, but you need to give it about 10 weeks after you, after you come back from surgery and rehab at once after 10 weeks, the data is really good for re for, for low re-injury risk. So I wouldn't be surprised if they, they, they rolled him out slowly weeks, two, three, four. Um, the problem is they're starting to get thin uh, and, 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 you know, signing guys like Kevin White. Um, and unfortunately herd went down with an ACL. Uh, now their, their stud Brandon Ayuk went down with a hamstring, so I'm hoping they don't push Debo too quickly um, and, and, and just let him heal appropriately when he's ready to come back because you don't want him re-injuring it mid-season and then losing him the whole season. So I think the first couple of weeks you probably won't see him, or if he does, it won't be much. So you mentioned Ayuk. I mean, stud is probably like pushing it here, all right? Uh, <laughs> just because you go to Notre Dame, all of a sudden you're really good. Pat, hard pass on that. Give me Claypool instead. That, that's where you want to go. But- I, I, I agree. Uh, but at the same time, hamstring injuries, these soft tissue injuries, was this to be expected from a lot of people without oh, the yeah. regular training camp, without preseason? Like, And you mentioned DeAndre Hopkins, Daryl Henderson, Ayuk, and there's been a bunch more. 
do you worry about these guys like week three, these same guys that have, if they don't get the proper time to heal, if they're trying to get back on. And right now they probably do have the time to get themselves healthy. Like Ayuk had two weeks basically to take off before week one of the season, but that's also two weeks missed of practice for a rookie. And if he tries to push himself to get back at playing it like 80%, like you mentioned, like isn't this something that could re-aggravate itself in like week six? Without question. And, and that's the problem is that the guys that rush back too quickly, it's not going to heal. It's going to be 80% healed. And now they try to push it. They try to get past the DB to go for a long ball or, or whatever. And it re-injures them. Now they're out for another couple weeks at a minimum. The other concern is that the guys who think they're good now, because they're really not in, in, in true competition, there's no preseason games, they're having limited practices, they're canceling practices. Some of the guys that feel like they're good now, what happens in one week, one, two, or three, when they're going for a, a, a route and all of a sudden the hamstring starts nagging and now we miss them for a couple of weeks or, or a month. So you brought up Chris Carson, his, uh, he's returning from the knee injury, but Hasn't he been missing practice because of like uh, there was a death in his family? He's been taking time off to like, kind of be away from the team. And once you're out from the team to come back in, like he watched Wednesday from the sidelines in practice. But are, are we concerned that he's actually injured or because they've been saying he's healthy enough to go? He just hasn't gone yet. Is that sort of coach speak? Like, oh, no, he's fine. We're going to brush this aside. Or do you actually feel like there's a legit concern here? So they're pushing Hyde pretty hard, in my opinion. Um, and, and I don't think Penny's probably going to be able to be ready for early season. I wouldn't be surprised if they held him off in, until halfway through the season because of his ACL. Um, the issue with, uh, the issue with Carson is we don't know the specifics of his injury. Uh, but when you piece it together, hip fracture and the fact that he didn't have a surgery means that there's only a couple really of options. The, the thing that makes the most sense to me is a stress fracture of the hip. Um, and, and this is a blood supply issue. Uh, so uh, if he pushes it too hard too often this season, he's going to be at high risk to do it again. Um, I don't know if he's got the appropriate reps. I mean, I, I think none of us really know that. Uh, if they say he's good, I guess we have to trust. But is that coach speak? So uh, we know they love to round the uh, run the ball, but is, as much as they probably should pass it. I, I don't know. I mean, I want he's a great value pick right now, but at the same time, what, what do you believe? We haven't really even seen him in practice much uh, yeah. for whatever reason, but you know, still like there's definitely concern there. Yeah. It seems like all the talk right now is that it's going to be fine. He's, he's our guy. Even Carlos Hyde was like, yeah, we all know Chris Carson is the guy here, but at the same time, they could be saying that to throw anyone off, or maybe that's what they're being told, and they just don't know that maybe the injury is worse. So there is a bit of risk. I still think I, I would go for it, Right now, that would be you know my take on it, uh, where he's going. Still like late third round, early fourth round. I think that's fine. What about someone like Kenyon Drake, who's in a walking boot, but it's just regular uh, nicks and dings, as Cliff Kingsbury said. Like walking boot scares me. So um, I tried to discuss this in the video the other day, and I'm like, I don't. We don't know why he's in it. So there's so many different options it can be. It's funny. Uh, well, it, it, uh, are any of them good things? <laughs> not really. I mean, 
you don't just go in a walking boot just for the heck of it. I mean, those things are uncomfortable. I mean, I don't, I don't know if he's weight bearing or if he's non weight bearing, but meaning if he's walking on the boot or if he's using a little scooter or crutches, but um, either way, like there's only a couple options why you'd put someone in a boot and none of them are, Oh, you're going to get back on the field next week. You know, like if it's a calf strain, you could do that. If it's a fracture, okay, that's a different story. You're still injured. Uh, if it's a bad ankle sprain, I mean, it's a high ankle. Like there's certain things you're going to put it in, but we, what is it? And, and, and you're supposed to now, you're, you're telling me that this guy who's never had a significant amount of touches, 300 plus, you're expecting him to be thrown in this crazy high volume offense and he's still the RB1 two weeks from now, but he's in a boot today? Uh, I, I love him as much as the next guy, but that's a little concerning to me. I mean, he was in a boot last year. Why? Why does this, this, the thing he likes to do before the season? I, I don't know. Yeah, maybe maybe it's some sort of fashion statement from Kenyon Drake. I have no idea. <laughs> uh, of guys that are coming back that missed last year, it looks like Cam has the inside track to be the starter in New England. I think mm-hmm. Cam's going to be good, but there is still that unknown injury possibility of how is the foot? How is the arm? Like, he had myriad injuries over the year. Do you th- how close to 100% like Cam that we remember do you think he might be? So as far as his foot injury that derailed him last year, don't worry about that. Once these are undergo surgery, they, these do great, and you really don't worry about them anymore. The, the risk of, of re-injury is pretty low. The shoulder, on the other hand, is a different story. He has had multiple rotator cuff repair surgeries in the past, and at the end of the day, that's what you're using to throw. He's never been the super most accurate guy. He's, he's more of a threat with his legs and he has a strong enough arm and semi-accurate enough to, to make you pay. Um, I think they're going to utilize him uh, appropriately. They're not giving him the, the, the veteran benefit of the doubt and they're making him work for it, which is smart. Um, but there's definitely an injury risk here, but he's pretty low risk and pretty high reward in terms of cost right now, at least in my opinion. Um, well, it's sticking with the Patriots just for a second. Sony Michelle finally gets back to camp with this foot injury that has been seemingly plaguing him for ages now, and no one really knew what to do. It caused Damian Harris to vault up some boards. Uh, then he got too much hype, and now he's going to fall back down because it looks like Sony Michelle is coming back. Something about this doesn't smell right to me, and I don't quite know what it is because that, that's been the hardest thing. Like I mentioned, the lack of information, the lack of communication. These teams can be shady. If I was the team, I'd be shady as fuck. Uh, I get what they're doing because they can do it right now. But at the same time, if we're trying to parse through this, does anything smell fishy with Sony Michelle to you? He scares me. When you go back into his history, he has a history of ACL tear. He had a lot of volume at Georgia. He... Looked pretty good in his first season with the Patriots. Last season, he really didn't have any crazy games. He got volume. He didn't really miss any time, but he's had a couple knee surgeries. He Now he's got this random foot surgery that just came out of nowhere as far as I'm concerned. So there's definitely concern. I mean, if you think about it, Damian Harris has the draft capital. He has the pedigree, and he's supposedly looking pretty good. So – in my opinion, Harris is, is, is the one to beat right now. And, and Sony, Sony's there, but I, I think Harris is the guy. 
I, I mean, we're never going to know. It's probably going to end up being like Rex Burkhead or they'll re-sign Brandon <laughs> Bolden, put him in the backfield for two of the games. That's the one problem with the Patriots yeah. running back fantasy-wise. Like, taking them on DraftKings, absolute shot in the dark every single week. If you have them on your oh, season-long yeah. team, just take the one who goes the latest. That's usually the best strategy. Or just, just take someone like James White, uh, who's not going to be great, but he's probably not going to kill you at the same time. Or just pass completely, unless Harris falls back to like the 13th, 14th round. Ben mm-hmm. Roethlisberger. Last time we saw him in game action, he had thrown for 351 yards um, and then got hurt. Uh, The season before, he threw for 5,000 yards. Everything we see about him, like visually, he's like fat, he has a giant beard, he looks wildly out of shape and not like a professional athlete. All the reports that we're getting at a camp is he's throwing lasers. He looks great. Which Ben do you expect to get based off what he went through over the past 12 months? Um, I expect Ben to look great. Actually, to be honest with you. Um, he suffered a pretty rare injury for, for, for NFL quarterbacks. Um, we don't know if he had his UCL reconstructed Tommy John surgery that baseball player pitchers usually undergo, but we do know he at least had his flexor tendons repaired, which is basically the throwing, uh, tendons for your forearm that insert into your elbow. Either way, he says he's been dealing with this for years and this is like, the straw that broke the camel's back, so to speak. Um, so with that being said, he's going to have better velocity. He's going to have uh, probably more accuracy because of the velocity. Um, and, and I think um, he's going to leave people pleasantly surprised. Um, whether or not they have the tools to do what he did two years ago is probably a, a different discussion, but I think he's a great pick. Um, and Big Ben still Big Ben. He, now he just has his elbow slash elbow throwing arm back. Uh, This one is kind of vague, putting it out there, because it's a leg injury and he hasn't been practicing. Do you worry about DeAndre Swift? The fact that he's a rookie. He was getting like first team reps over Carrion Johnson right now, but in Lions practice, it's Johnson and then Ty Johnson. So Carrion, then Ty. And all of a sudden, DeAndre Swift is just kind of watching from the sidelines. It just seems unusual to me, him being Mm -hmm. a rookie, that you'd want to integrate him as much as possible, but he's just sitting over here with a leg injury and we don't even know what the leg injury is. Yeah, they've been really hush-hush about this. I just tweeted this a little bit ago because I saw a report and they said he's still out and it's kind of went under the radar. He's missed six, I want to say it's six games, six six practices or, or days, however you want to calculate it. We don't know what it is. Is it a calf? Is it a hamstring? Uh, those would be my two best bets, with soft tissues. Um, I, I'm assuming they would want him to, him to get as many reps as possible with first team or second team or whatever just to get him and not only in playing shape, but understand the playbook and everything. And obviously he's not doing that. So this is a little concerning. The talent is there without question. Um, I I wish we could get some clarification, but probably won't. No, we're we're, we're definitely not going to get any of that. Then you have some other guys down the list. Like we don't know what's really going on with Allen Robinson's ankle. We don't know if Lamar Jackson actually has a strained groin or he just like doesn't want to practice today. Uh, there's a bunch of that stuff. The Miles Sanders one is somewhat concerning. Is it a calf injury? Um, you know, he was seen with a sleeve on his leg. It seems like he's going to be ready to go week one, but are you pensive at all? Like if you had the eighth pick and you're sitting there, Miles Sanders is available. That's around where he's going, eight to 12. Are you pulling mm-hmm. the trigger? Or are you like, I'll just go. I'll just go with a similar option elsewhere. I'll take Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. I'll take Derrick Henry. I don't want to have to deal with what could be a problem. Or you're like, not a problem. Part of me wants to say he's a top three back, but I, this vagueness is a little concerning. 
Um, I think uh, CEH is a little bit of a riskier pick, but at the same time, maybe it's safer uh, knowing that he's healthy and he's in a definitely elite offense. Henry is a bowling ball and continues to defy odds and reportedly is catching the ball more. I would have some pause with Miles. Um, if he was going a little later, it probably would be a little bit less, but you really can't miss on your first round pick, especially if we know that he's got something hypothetically say it is a calf and he comes back in week one and he re-injures his calf and now he misses the first month of the season. If you lose your RB one at the first month of the season, how are you looking in week five? You know, probably not as good as if you had him. Yeah, I guess that's true. Like how about someone like Tyrell Williams, who's dealing with this like torn labor. I think it was Chad Johnson back before he was Ocho Sanko. Uh, he was Chad Johnson. <laughs> and I think he played a year through a torn labor. Now he was a high level receiver. And it seems like the Raiders are gung ho to replace Tyrell Williams at this point. But do you think he can last through the season? What sort of effectiveness do you think that he can have in this offense with this sort of injury? So, so this injury is very, it's uncomfortable and it really depends on the severity of the labral tear. So if you look at the shoulder, it's a ball and socket joint. If you take out the ball and you rotate it, you would basically see the labrum as it circles around the side of the bone. And its job is to keep that ball in the socket. Well, if you were to have a tear in the back and you uh, push that uh, ball back, you're going to pop it out of the socket. So if he's only got, you know, 10% tear, not a big deal. If he's got a 50% labral tear, he's not going to be effective at all. That thing's going to keep popping out. He's going to be loose. And anytime he reaches up, he's just going to feel like he, he has no control over it. This reminds me of Anthony Miller's re recurrent shoulder dislocations that he wore that sling. Uh, and then he eventually had repaired twice, I think. Yeah. And is Anthony Miller someone who just worries you for just reoccurring injuries over time? This all stemmed from his recurrent shoulder. He's actually been pretty healthy. I remember when I wrote up his profile, he really didn't have much other stuff besides the shoulder. Uh, and, and, and the shoulder is pretty classic. Once you have a shoulder dislocation, especially before the age of like 21, the, the, the percentage of re-injury is like 85%. Like it's ridiculous. Once you get it repaired, you really don't have to worry about it much anymore. You can still get it injured again, but... If that's all his issue is and it's repaired, which it was, I like him this year. I think he's a sneaky pick uh, later in the drafts, especially PPR, because he could be, you know, he could get some volume there. Yeah, no, I listen. If you're riding Anthony Miller towards the end of last year, you're doing pretty well, and that's with horrible quarterback play. Maybe if Nick Foles can come in and improve the quarterback play, all of a sudden you're looking a lot better. So I want to kind of shift off of individual players and just talk a little bit about what your perception is of. How is treatment going to be affected by COVID, basically? If you can only have so many people traveling with your team, traveling city to city, does that mean some pieces of the medical staff have to stay behind? You have to share a medical staff when you go to places? Like, how, how is this going to work? Oh, this, <laughs> this is going to be a nightmare. <laughs> um, th th there's no other way to put it. Um, these guys are going to be so sick of testing, it's not even funny. Uh, right now they're trying to be really careful in terms of staff. I mean, logically you should be, um, you're going to have your, your trainers and, and they're going to have to be checked regularly. The team docs are going to have to be checked regularly. Um, everybody's going to have to wear masks and 
till the foreseeable future. Um, everything's just going to be slower. The, you can't put five, six, seven guys next to each other unless everybody's cleared. I guess you could. Um, I think it's just going to throw a monkey wrench into the the smooth, uh, the smoothness. You know how everything should should be flowing, and it's just I don't think it's going to flow that well this year. So they're just going to have to deal with it. They're going to have to stagger it. They may have to see players in their rooms. They may have to uh, coordinate time blocks, um, that type of stuff. Do you think that's going to pose a problem for players who get injured and their rehabilitation? It may take longer because they won't have potentially access to every facility, access to all the trainers at every time that they normally would. That if you have a hamstring injury and maybe you could have come back in three weeks, maybe now it takes five weeks. Is stuff like that on the table? I think when you get to this level, they're going to make it – they'll do what they have to do to get you back. These guys pretty much have their complete, full personal training staffs, uh, physical training staffs. So at that point, um, they're really only dedicated to those guys, uh, and they will be fine. They will make sure that they do everything they have to. They're not really having to worry about staggering and regular patients in uh, like like we do. Uh, so – uh, when when it comes to that, I'm not overly concerned about them uh, delaying it. If they get a positive test or something, obviously that changes things. But in terms of in terms of actual the treatment, I think they'll be pretty good. Okay, so what happens if someone tests positive? Do we know what the fallout from that is actually going to be? Like, are you out two weeks? Are you out a week? What happens if an offensive lineman tests positive for COVID? Did do you then have to, if you're practicing with the offensive line and going face to face with the defensive line and practice or like both those units out for the game, like, is there an actual contingency plan or are we just playing this by ear? Um, I have not seen anything. And one of my theoretical situations was what if say the Kansas city chips lose their entire offensive line? How was that offense going to fare that week or two weeks, depending on how long they're out? Um, we, you know, that's the question is the data so far from NFL, which just reported the other day has been ridiculous. Like they did something like, uh, 50 or 80,000 tests. And there was only 1.7% positive and the majority of them weren't even players. Uh, they were more staff. So, so far it's been good, but you got to remember these guys are all staying in the same cities right now. They're, they're, they're probably staying in hotels, a lot of them. Uh, whereas when they start traveling, you're throwing a monkey wrench into that. So we really don't know their protocols, uh, at least from outside perspective. I'm sure the teams have their own protocols, but they haven't shared with the public yet. Um, it's definitely concerning, uh, especially, uh, trying to figure out if it's a star player, you know, what if Brady or Mahomes or uh, Saquon or CMC, so one of those guys happens to catch us and you hear about it on Saturday. Like, what do you do? There's, there's nothing, you can't replace him at that level. So, I mean, it's just, it's, it's a nightmare. It's yeah. A nightmare. I, I was thinking even more about what if it happens to guys in Monday night games. And I'm talking about this from gambling, from yeah. fantasy purposes. Yeah. And I don't even know what the team is going to do. Like they're not going to, you want to limit the amount of people that you have with you traveling from city to city. So it's not like you're bringing your practice roster with you, or maybe that there's, you get to bring one or two guys from each position with you. I have no idea how this is going to work, but we saw that baseball ran into real problems. Once you started traveling Ooh. city to city and guys weren't at the hotel hotel or not at the practice facility and they were sneaking out to go to strip clubs or sneaking out to get food sneaking out to go see someone whatever it might be mm -hmm. and i understand why people would do that it's only human nature to do it but i think of someone like the vegas raiders 
we saw year one with the Golden Knights, whenever anyone went to Vegas to play them, like they were just spent by the time they actually played the game because people would go hard in Vegas. The guys that are actually on the team and lived in Vegas, you know, after you do like your first four nights, you're like, okay, I'm kind of over it right now. Like we're not going out on Saturday nights anymore. It's not like we're lining up to go party in Vegas because there are one time of year that we're here. But like that, it feels like Vegas itself is going to be a real problem because it's year one for this team in Vegas. And then you have all the teams rotating in and out. Like that seems like the worst case scenario place to me. Oh yeah. That's going to be and, and and even local casinos here in, in South Florida. Um, there's no social distancing. I was talking to someone the other day, there was a lot of people in a small area and no one was wearing masks. I can attest to that. So imagine how it is in Vegas where you have multi many much more casinos much more nightlife um the odds of the guys staying out of that um and and and, and getting you know getting lucky and not catching COVID or or, or whatever the, the the teams and the and the coaching staffs i have to gonna have to be really uh, strict with these guys and say you cannot go to the casinos because the risk is so high that you may literally have to forfeit the game because half your team is, is potentially positive whether or not they're false positives or not is a different story but still so i don't want football to be canceled i it's weird that people like argue that like people want to like i might you know, my living is football. I don't want to see football go anywhere. I want everything to go as smoothly as possible. Fortunately, the NFL seems like a league that would just push through it anyway because they're the NFL and that's what they're going to do. Uh, they're going to try to make their money. So there, you have that on your side. Even if, listen, they endanger people every single week anyway. What, what's just one more thing to add on is probably the perspective that they're coming from with this. So we're probably going to see our games. I'm shocked they didn't bake more like bye week or flexibility into the schedule. It seems like they've set up the schedule to be best case scenario, and that's going to be it. No contingencies really anywhere along the mm-hmm. line. But what do you think is the act? Like, what does it take? I don't want to say to shut down football, but to really cause some havoc here. Like, out of the gates, week two, like three teams kind of go what? Like, in baseball a team is out for a week, you miss seven games. That's a lot to make up in, in, um, in a 60 game season, but you can play double headers. You can kind of fudge that and figure that out. What happens in football? I mean, guys aren't going to do double headers, especially against two different teams. Yeah. That's not realistic. So then do they make it a 12 game season or something like that? I mean, hypothetically think of it this way. Four different teams that are not scheduled to play each other all get enough guys where they can't feel the proper team. So they have to cancel that game. Well, that means that whoever they're playing is going to cancel obviously. So now you have hypothetically eight teams who are not playing that week that are going to not have a game that week. So what do you do? It's not like baseball where you can just say, Oh, next weekend we're going to play two games instead of one. I don't, you can't do that in football. And then what happens to the next week? What if they don't clear protocol by then? You know, what if some of the uh, 10 of their guys are still quote unquote positive and infectious? Now, now what do you do? There's, there's many more questions than we have answers. That that's the whole thing. Like if there was like, I, I know like the PGA was pretty good with this and it's listen, it's an individual sport. You can travel in a bubble. These guys all fly, fly private to every course. It's, it's apples and oranges, but at least they put something out being like, Hey, here's what happens if this happens. And then they actually amended it after like three weeks. They were like, okay, 
you know, false positives are coming up. Uh, this guy did test positive, but he can come back now. And they kind of, they rolled with it a little bit to see what was safe and what wasn't. And I think they've done a really good job with that. They've probably been the best non like bubble type sport, but again, it's golf. It's not dealing, you know, you're dealing with between players, between people who need to be at the field. Um, you're talking about like 350 people, probably between staff, caddies, whatever people working at the course, cameramen, and with football, it's just going to be completely different. Are you surprised they didn't do like a four to six city bubble and or even do oh, yeah. an eight city bubble and put all the division teams in like one place or figure out the schedule that way? That seems like it would have been the sensible move. But at the same time, maybe that we're the ones being crazy about this. And all of a sudden, it's just going to work and it's going to be fine. And they've had it figured out the entire time. I would love for it, them just everything to go smoothly. Um, as we saw with baseball, it really hasn't been, and that's probably as close as you're going to get NBA's in a, in, in a league of its own. And, and because they can play all in one place and they're at the end of their season, uh, NHL is very similar. They're actually playing predominantly in Canada. Um, and they're also doing a bubble cause you can get away with that. But as far as I know, there's no place that has 10, maybe 12 quality NFL fields next to each other where they can do it in one spot. Um, you know, maybe they do a, a New York, Philly uh, as one area. Maybe they do LA for another area or something like that. But I, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I think the problem is now you're talking about having all of these guys stay in a hotel that's technically public for what six months i mean what do you do like what do you do yeah i mean I, there doesn't seem to be a good solution so i guess just kind of rolling with it and hoping it all works out would be i mean it's gonna have to be the move because that's what they're doing are you surprised that like you're in miami the dolphins are allowing people to games fortunately no one goes to their games, so it's probably not that big of a deal but are you surprised that they're even week one they're allowing people to go into the Very. stadiums i'm actually going to try to go to the game just to say I went to the game during this season, but um, yes, I am very surprised that they, um, that they, they're the only team as far as I know that has, has confirmed they will have fans in the first game home game or whatever it is, um, which is just fascinating to me. Even if they perfect protocols, it's risky. It is. I mean, it can't be so risky that you're not going to go. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I'm uh, I'm not worried about myself as much as I am, uh, you know, the the players, um, you know, I can self quarantine for two weeks. No big deal. These guys uh, are around, you know, 50 to 100 people uh, all the time, uh, whether it's themselves or staff. And, and, and the infection rate is so high uh, that um, it's just concerning to me for that regard. I mean, you're talking about fans that are getting hypothetically close to say the cameraman or, or the, the sideline people, and then they're getting close to the players interaction. I mean, there's so many possibilities. Yeah. What, what I thought was strange about not doing like a four city bubble. Now the point of putting these people up in hotels, first you would need to find adequate places for them to stay. It costs a lot of money. You're away from your family. You're just away from your house. Uh, people would probably just go insane inside these bubbles the entire time. But you could probably set up you know, the four fields. You could have your one o'clock slate. There's four games at once. You probably have to play on Saturdays, which I'm sure that the NFL would absolutely adore if that was going to be the case. Have a four game and you could just play back to back. You could make something like that work. But I wasn't even thinking about like Super City. Like it wouldn't be like New York washington la and chicago like why not go to like north dakota where like there is no covid 
I mean, it, it just comes down to field, I think. And but, if but, they, you, it, but in that situation, you would only need one field, and you could deck it out. And if you're not going to have fans anyway, then there's really no big deal. You just actually need a football field. Yeah, I mean, you'd need a field. You'd need appropriate housing for God knows how many people. That would be, um, I guess, that would be the big thing—the lodging in places like this. And then you'd need the staff, well, the staff willingness to go to X city, whatever. Um, you know, a lot of the medical staffs have regular clinics every day. You know, and they happen to be at the games on Sunday and, and stopping by the the training facility a couple times a week. Um, so, like, are they gonna fly out to wherever? Um, are they going to have one training staff for a couple teams? Like there's so many crazy possibilities. Yeah, I guess that's probably, that is my biggest concern with the NFL. And it always has been. Um, Cause like I said, I think they're just going to push through it regardless of what happens because that's what they're going to do. It's just the, so many moving pieces, the size of these teams, the size of the coaching staff, the size of the training teams and all these things are necessary for it to work. That would be versus every other sport. They don't have the complications that football probably is going to have. Like I said, maybe because they've had the extra time to work this out that maybe they actually do have a plan and they just don't feel it's like the injuries. They just don't feel like telling us. (laughs) Exactly. All right. Dr. Jesse Morris, tell everyone where they can find you, your videos and your cheat sheets. Um, the easiest way would just be the fantasydoctors.com. Um, you can follow us on uh, Instagram or, or Twitter, the fantasy DRS on Twitter. My personal handle is Dr. Jesse Morse. Um, that would probably be the easiest way, and you can kind of sift it from there. I have a, an injury cheat seat, cheat sheet that I've been uploading daily, uh, doing a lot of video content uh as the injuries trickle out trying to keep people updated uh, those are free on my uh, you can get them right through the fantasy doctor's website uh just trying to uh, stay up to date as much as we can with little information we get probably time you get back to your uh, patients don't you think yeah, I think they're waiting for me. All right, I'm Pat Mayo. You can follow me on Twitter at the PME. Subscribe to Mayo Media Network, the new YouTube channel where the Pat Mayo experience will exist from henceforth, henceforward, whatever that is. We don't have great grammar or words here. We don't have the best words on Mayo Media Network, but we have some. Pat Mayo Experience audio podcast. Please subscribe, download, listen, review five stars, or just rate five stars. That goes a long way. The entire draft kit is in the description of this video and podcast. And please smash the like button. Thank you all for watching. Win totals next week. That's going to be fun. We'll see you next time. Pat Mayo Experience. Experience.